Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. I'm excited about this word tonight. God has placed it. Um, as y'all know, we have we started a uh, series last night, or last Wednesday, entitled, When Faith Gets Fun. Turn to your neighbor, to your neighbor and say, When Faith Gets Fun. When Faith Gets Fun, the series is all about taking on a different kind of perspective. Because sometimes when we think of faith, instead of feeling secure, we feel anxious. Because we feel a little bit nervous about taking a leap of faith or we feel a little nervous. And and sometimes that is natural, but sometimes that can work against us. Because God created faith not to be an anxiety, but a security in our life. And so that's what we're kind of taking on uh, this series is getting to the point, man, when faith gets fun and when we're just relying on Jesus and relying on his provision. And um, one more thing before uh, we jump into scripture is uh, do not come to church next Wednesday, okay? That's the only time you're going to hear me say this. Don't come to church next Wednesday. We're not having it. We're having nine things that Tuesday. No service will be that Wednesday. Uh, So if you come to church, you can have your own little fun time in the parking lot, but you can't come inside. Uh, so let's jump into scripture. We're going to be um, reading from 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 2 through 16. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 2 through 16. Uh, the context of the scripture is that uh, there is a king. His name is Ahab. He is ruling over Israel right now. And he has totally turned his back on Israel to the point where he has taken a wife, Jezebel, um, who is nothing like, if you want to talk about unequally yoked, okay, it was Jezebel, okay, it was totally, she, she was worshiping uh, false um, idols and worshiping Baal, and so he totally turned his back on Israel, and um, because of this, um, because he was worshiping this false god called Baal, who was supposedly supposed to be the god of weather, um, the true god uh, told Elijah to tell Ahab that because of this, He's going to stop rain for three years, or he says, until I say it's done, or until I, I return to rain again. So God tells Elijah to tell Ahab that, and that's what he does. And then this is where we pick up in verse 2. Then it says, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. He was getting some Uber Eats back in the day. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and, and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook, brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Saddam. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So we went to Zarephath, as he, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little cup, a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the, gel, in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be afraid. 
don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your container until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Turn to your neighbor and say the title for tonight. Say, Growing Faith During a Famine. Growing Faith During a Famine. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you're doing tonight, God. We lift up your name. We lift up the name above all names, Father. You're the Lord of Lord, the Kings of Kings. You're the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Father, you see everything. God, and you brought us to this moment, not by coincidence, God, but by design, Father. And so we step out by faith, knowing that we're not here by any coincidence, Father, but we are here for you. And so, Jesus, open up our minds, soften our hearts. We want to take in every drop that you have for us tonight, Father. We don't overlook the Spirit. We don't want to overlook revelation, Father. We are here for you. We are here to grow, Father. So enrich us tonight, Father. Lead us tonight. Your Spirit has full control. We love you, Jesus. And everybody says, amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's give Jesus one more hand cap of praise. So a few years back, uh, back in 2017, this is long before uh, COVID-19. Doesn't that feel like a long time ago? I was thinking about 2017. Nobody knew what, you know, 2020 was going to be like. Uh, back in 2017, in, in the summertime, uh, we took the youth group uh, to uh, Fiesta, Texas on a trip. And um, anybody remember going on trips? Seems like, what? People went on trips? What? Yeah, we went out of town. We went on a trip to an amusement park. They still, you know, they existed back then. And we went to Fiesta, Texas, and uh, uh, we had a fun time, rode a bunch of rides. And I was driving some of the guys from, from the youth group um, uh, to Fiesta and back. And so we were on our way back from Fiesta, Texas, and we're at a uh, convenience store getting gas, and I'm looking at the car at how much gas uh, we have, and I see that it says um, that I have, you know, the little gauge meter. It said I had like 100 and, you know, 30 miles left in the tank, but uh, I had like 150 miles away from Victoria, from where I wanted to go. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to get gas. I'm going to save some money, and I believe we're going to make it there. Um, some of you might have heard this story before. Uh, but so we're going on our way back. We're, you know, we're talking. We're, you know, talking to guy stuff. I don't really know what we're talking about. We had about three youth guys in the car with me. And so we're driving back. And then all of a sudden, about 30 miles away from Victoria, um, Siri starts to get demonic on me. By, by that, she was starting to take me everywhere and took me down a back road. Have you all ever, like, turned onto a back road, even though you're not supposed to, but just because Siri told you to? Have you ever done that? Because that's me. Like, I could be driving somewhere. Like, I'd be driving to Walmart, and I know how to get there. But if Siri tells me to take a right, I'm like, well, okay. You know, like, I'm going to do it. Uh, so Siri took us down this, these back roads. It was these skinny little roads that, you know, barely one car could fit on. I had no idea where we were at. We're just following, um, you know, what Siri was telling us to go. And I look at the gauge, and it says that I have... Um, about 30 miles to get there and about 35 miles left of gas. I'm like, okay, well, you know, we're cutting a little bit close, but we're going to, you know, we're going to get there. I wasn't really too worried about it. Um, but about 10 minutes later, I checked the gauge again, 
and it said that I had uh, about 20 miles left to go and only 20 miles left of gas. I was like, oh, shoot, you know, um, let's play it safe. I'm not going to risk it. Um, let's stop and get gas. You know, I don't want to end up on the side of the road. So I asked one of the uh, youth group uh, members, I said, hey, look into, uh, Google it, see what the nearest convenience store is so we can get gas so we don't run out. And so he's like, okay. And so he looks up, and he says, okay, there's one about 15 miles away, and, um, but we have enough gas to get there. It's like, okay, great. So I thought it was over. Okay, but we're going. We're still driving. And then I look, and, um, you know, I only have about 10 miles left of gas. And I'm like, okay, uh, I'm like, hey, man, how much longer until the convenience store? He's like, oh, he says, he looks, he says, oh, it says 10 miles. I said, that makes no sense. You said that, you know, 10 miles ago. We're supposed to keep on going. He's like, oh, I don't know what to tell you, man. It says 10 miles. I'm like, oh, okay, guys. We're like, I was looking at him like, it might be cutting it close, okay? It might be, you know, down to the wire, but we're going to make it. Uh, and so we're still driving, still driving, but I'm looking, and the closer we get, it's like I'm losing more gas. And I remember I was like, hey, dude, check how far away. He's like, hey, we're like eight miles. And I look, and I'll have like five miles left of gas. I was like, okay, guys, now it's time to start to pray. And y'all got to remember, all during this time, we're on the back roads. I can't see nothing. The guys in the back are now thinking, oh, my gosh, this is where we're going to die. They're like, they're like, this is where we saw, or somebody saw a crazy clown here last year. You remember that? I was like, dude, stop talking about clowns. So this is time for faith. This is time for prayer. Um, and so we're just, I'm like, okay, guys, let's start praying. And at first, you know, we were kind of joking around. Um, but then I looked, and I was like, I was like, how far away do we have? He's like, hey, we got five miles. And I looked, and we only had like two miles left of gas. I was like, okay, guys, it's serious time mode. So, guys, for real, start praying. So we're praying, like, thank you, God, for getting us there. And I remember praying and praying and going. But have you ever felt when you're putting your foot down on the gas, but it's not accelerating? Has anybody felt that before? Well, I'm praying. I'm like, hey, everything's going to be good. We're living on faith right now. And I'm pressing, nothing's happening. And I look back to the guys. I said, okay. We're praying in tons right now. Start speaking in the spirit. So we start praying in our prayer language. I just remember, like, we were, we were getting into it. Like, we were, like, serious. Like, we didn't want to die here. So we start praying, and we're, like, speaking in tons. And I'm, like, going. We're all going. And I'm not, I'm not kidding you. That, all of a sudden, as we started digging into, start really start praying, all of a sudden that car is, woof, and it took off. I'm not kidding you. And, and by, I really believe that by faith, and all the guys in the back are, you know, praying to prayer language, like, guys, keep it up. We're still going. Keep it up. You know, don't stop. We rolled into that gas station, and, like, at the very end, we were able to get gas, and the, and the guys got out, and they were, like, flexing. They are like, that's my Jesus. Like, that's why we have faith. Like, yeah. And so I really believe that was a miracle, and I know that built up their faith. It built up mine. But I, I said that to, for this, what I think how that compares is a lot of times we feel like we're running on fumes. Like in that moment, we feel like we're running on fumes. Sometimes in life, we feel like we're running on empty. But at that moment is when faith should give us a spark. Because a lot of times we feel like we're on fumes. We feel like we're running on empty. But then we reach for faith and it's not there. And we give up and we pull off to the side of the road. But at that moment, when it feels like we're running on fumes, that's when faith is going to spark us to finish to where God wants us to be. See, when things go, or things don't go in accordance to plan, it's not when we should feel defeated. That's when we should feel determined. 
a lot of times when things don't go according to plan, we feel like, okay, it might be time to take a step back. I, I, I don't know. Things aren't looking good right now, God, so I'm going to take my foot off the gas. But that's the exact opposite of what God has called us to, be, to do when he talks about faith. That's the, the exact moment when you say, God, I'm going to lean on you even more. I'm going to dig even deeper. I'm going to get even more determined about what you have for me because I know only by that faith am I going to get there. So when, when things, when something doesn't go according to plan or things get uncomfortable, instead of us responding with faith, a lot of times we re react with fear. We, we say, God, I know you called me to do this. I know you called me to do that. I know you called me to start this business, but things aren't going right. So I'm going to go back to what I knew. I'm going to go back to what I used to be doing. And, and then, or you could be saying, I, God, I know you want me to reach out to my coworker, and I feel a tug to speak and pour into them. But I don't know how she's going to respond. She might think I'm crazy. So I'm just going to leave that situation alone. Instead of responding by faith, we react in fear. But in those trying times, that is not when we press pause on our faith. That's when we press into our faith. When we can learn to have faith in this story that we just read, just looked at, when we can learn to have faith even in the famine, that's when we can go through every season of life and not feel like it can defeat us. That means in the high and the low, our faith can remain the same. But you might be looking at me, I feel like I'm in a famine right now. I know a lot of us do. COVID-19 2020 hasn't been the best year, I'm not going to lie. You know, you know, all the things in politics going on, all the things with the pandemic, there's a hundred different things going wrong. And you might be saying, Caleb, how during this time could be a time when I grow in my faith? I feel like right now I'm just barely hanging on. Or I feel like right now I, I want to give up. How can I grow in my faith during this time, how I can go stronger during this time. We're going to take a look at, at these two individuals that we read about in 1 Kings, and we're going to read about how they found themselves in a famine and how they responded. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 5 through 6, it says that, it said, so Elijah did as the Lord told him. He camped beside Carithbrook, east of the Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But that had me thinking. If there was one person, because remember, Elijah was the one who told, who was directed by God to tell Ahab that there was going to be a drought and that there was going to be a famine and that the rain was going to stop. So if there was one person who I would think would get a pass and not have to experience the famine, I would think that God would have told Elijah, hey, Elijah, a famine's coming. Um, I'm going to direct you to the Bahamas. We're going to chill out. And it's going to be vacation. And while Israel's going through a drought, you're going to be good. You're going to be fine. But Elijah, even though he was following after God, even though he was the one, probably the only one in all of Israel, really holding that relationship with God, he still finds himself in a famine. A lot of times we try to tell ourselves that if I, if I have faith, if I live a life of faith, then I will, I will never find myself in a famine. And we tell ourselves that. And then when something goes wrong, it hurts our faith. When something doesn't go according to plan, it hurts our faith because we say, God, what's, what's going on? I, I, I'm in a famine season. I'm in 2020. Things aren't going right. I thought, I thought faith wouldn't do this to me. I thought faith means that my life would be easy. I thought that I would never be uncomfortable, and that hurts our faith. But that has me thinking because by that, what happened to Elijah, it tells me that having faith doesn't mean we avoid the famine. Having faith means that we have favor in the famine. 
And that's the difference. And that's point number, well, number one, is that having faith doesn't mean we avoid a famine, but it aligns us with favor. What does that mean? Is that when I have faith, that doesn't mean I'm going to avoid difficulties. That doesn't mean that I'm never going to live any kind of uncomfortability again. But that means that even when the famine comes, even when difficulties come, somehow, some way, by faith, God is going to provide for me. If that means that he sends ravens, if that means he's worked through ways I don't think, because when I have faith through for him, when I have faith in him, that aligns me with favor. And then I can say to myself that if I know that even when I have faith that difficulties may come, then I will know that when those difficulties do come, I don't have to, to escape or, or to betray my faith because I already know, right, that things may come. But instead, I will lean more into my faith because I know that that's when I need to meet, lean more into it, and that's when I know favor will show up. And so that means even when I have good times, bad times, low times, high times, my faith will stay the same because I'm not looking on whether or not I'm in a drought. I'm not looking whether or not a famine is around me. I'm not looking at what I'm feeling or what I'm thinking. I'm focusing on what I know God has for me, and I'm having faith in that no matter the, the consequence or no matter my situation. That's when you can have faith that is consistent because God's favor is what's going to lead us through the famine. God's favor is what's going to lead us through the famine. You see, Elijah was able to... to be in the middle of the famine, yet still have favor because, see, he had faith, so he had nothing to fear. He had nothing to fear because he had faith that God would show favor to him. And that's how he was able to get Chick-fil-A in the morning and chilies to go at night, right, from the ravens. Because he said, I don't know how this is going to happen, but I know one thing. When I have faith in my God, he's going to show me favor. It might not look like what I think it needs to look like. But he's going to provide for me even in a famine. In the Old Testament, speaking of ravens, in the Old Testament, it's, it displayed ravens, and it says that ravens are unclean animals. It says that ravens were forbidden for the Hebrew people to eat. They, uh, ravens were seen as beneath them. But yet, ravens are what God used to keep Elijah alive. What I'm trying to say is don't be surprised when God uses what you think is beneath you to lead you to your breakthrough. Don't be surprised when God uses things, when you're praying for a breakthrough, when you're praying, hey, God, I need financial provision, and God will respond, okay, then you might need to start shopping in the clearance aisle for a little bit. You might need to stop buying $100 jeans for a little bit. You might have to do things that you think are beneath you for a little bit, but that's what's going to get you to the breakthrough that you're praying for. See, before God can trust you with more, he has to know that you're being a good steward of what you have now. He has to know that you're willing to do things even if you think, oh, I'm too good for that. Even if you think, oh, I'm past that. You have to say, no, God, I'm humble in your presence, and I'm going to do anything you ask of me, even if it means overcoming pride, even if it means overcoming things that I think I've gotten past, I'll be obedient to you. In verse 12, when Elijah approaches her and asks for a, a piece of bread, this is how she responds. She says, 
I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the, in the jar and a little, co- little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. So I want you all to catch this. This woman, her husband is dead. Her crops has withered. All the livestock are dead. Who, her and her, or, and her son are starving to death, and they are searching for sticks to prepare their last meal together before they would watch each other starve. They are in a dark, depleted, defined, uh, an ugly moment of life that you wouldn't wish on anybody, but yet that's where they find themselves. And then here comes Elijah, who is probably feeling sorry about himself, saying, man, the Ravens hasn't brought my Chick-fil-A today, I don't know, like, you know, probably feeling sorry about themselves. And then God sends him to a situation that compares nothing to his. Her situation was far worse than what Elijah had experienced. I think, I think God was trying to send Elijah some quick perspective right there. He said, I'm going to send you to somebody who is even a more dire need than you are. Because sometimes we need, ha- we need to realize how blessed we really are. We need to realize that it's not as bad as we think it is. We need to, to realize that, that how blessed, how provided for, how much, how much God has really have in store for us. Because when Elijah saw the widow, Elijah gained perspective. And that's point number two, is that having a defeated perspective will drain your faith. We've got to talk about perspective a little bit. Having a defeated perspective will drain your faith. So you can be the most blessed person on earth, but if you have a negative outlook in your, of your life, you're always going to be in a lack of joy. You're always going to be in a lack of peace. Or you're always going to feel like you're missing something. See, I think the most valuable things that we can have in our life sometimes is a reality check. I think sometimes we need to understand how blessed we really are. And we can say, you know what, I know things aren't perfect. I know I'm not getting everything I want right now, but I got a roof over my head. I got food in the pantry. I have a job. I have this. I have that. And a lot of people right now are on the street. So thank God, Father, for providing for me. We could look and say, you know what, things aren't, aren't perfect right now, but I got a loving family around me. I got people, I got friends I can lean on, and there's people right now who are alone. You can say, you know, I, I know I, I, things aren't perfect, but, man, I have my health. I have a right mind. I got blood in my veins. I got breath in my lungs. And there's people fighting for their breath, and you're here complaining about having yours. Sometimes we have to have a reality check and to get our perspective back on what it really is, and then we can appreciate what God's doing in our life. Because if we have a negative outlook on our life, it doesn't matter what God does for you. You're still going to think you don't have enough. Sometimes the first thing we need to fix is ourself and our perspective before God can do more in our life. But let's take a look at the perspective of the widow now. So this woman, like we said, she's at the end of her rope. Her, her, her husband's dead. Her sons are starving. She is starving, and she's looking for sticks to pick the, the last meal of, for, for her and her son. And as she's doing that, she sees a man walking from a distance. And he's approaching her, and he's thinking, maybe this is the man who's going to help me out. Maybe he's going to be the one to lend a helping hand. And instead of that, Elijah approaches her and asks her for the one thing that she doesn't have. 
he approaches her and said, hey, give me some bread. And she looks at him and says, hey, look, I got problems of my own, right? I thought you were here to help, but you're asking me for something that I don't even have. And you know what? She could easily said, look, I got problems of my own. You worry about you. I worry about me. And could have walked away and missed on her moment. But instead, she listened to him. And this is what I want us to catch. Sometimes the quickest way to get out of your famine is to feed someone else. Sometimes the quickest way to reach your breakthrough is to make somebody else's breakthrough happen. Because what you help make happen for others, God will help make happen for you. Because the most rewarding thing is not receiving, it's giving. The most rewarding thing isn't taking, it's blessing people, it's encouraging people, it's making people feel like they, they're not losing it all, like they're not at the end of the rope, it's picking them back up to their feet. So why not, why, why not instead of this week us focusing on our own needs, on our own lacks, what if we picked up our head, I think sometimes we have our hand, our head in the sand, and we're just focused on us, and we're just focused on our problems. We're focused on, on our needs, and those things are becoming so big in our life that we forget about other people. But what if instead of that, we picked our heads up and started helping other people out and saying, I know i got problems of myself, but I know for a fact that if I do, other people do too. And, and maybe they even have been worse than mine. And so what if you start helping others, start encouraging others? And I'm telling you this, when you begin to ease the burdens of others, your burdens will begin to be lifted as well. And that's how Jesus wants us to be, the hands and feet of Jesus. It's not just taking care of our own needs. It's not just looking after ourselves and draw a circle around me, myself, and I, but instead focusing on others and saying, hell, how can I help you? How can I benefit you? How can I, can I be a blessing in your life? And I'm telling you, church family, if we do that, if we begin to focus less on ourselves and more on others, you're going to begin to see your own burdens and problems be solved in your own life. In verse 13, following verse after one we just read, but Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Somebody say first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. See, Elijah did not say for her to, to make her and her son a meal first and then give him the scraps. Elijah didn't say, hey, okay, you just do what you need to do and I'll eat the crumbs. A lot of times, that's what we do with our faith sometimes. We give God the crumbs, and it's called crummy faith. I had to sneak in that joke. See, we are supposed to give God the first, supposed to give God the best, supposed to give God the greatest that we have to offer. And that's the third point for tonight is that faith is putting God first even when you feel behind. Faith is putting God on the foremost even when you feel like you're lacking at the moment, even when you feel like you don't have a lot to give, even when you feel like, God, if I give you this, I might not have enough for myself. That's the exact moment when God says, okay, well, give it to me because I can do more than you can with it. Right? The, he said, okay, 
That's what Elijah told the widow. He said, no, feed me the bread first because if you do that, if you give me your best, if you give me that, I will make that extend far longer than what you ever could. And a lot of times, you see, when you give God the leftovers, that will always make you just feel overwhelmed. In life, when I, when I just gave God, the last when I gave God, when I took care of myself and my needs first and, and gave God the last or gave God the, the, a little bit of time throughout the week or, or just gave God a little bit of that, a little bit of my talent, a little bit of my treasure and not gave him the foremost, it always left me feeling less than what I had. But when I learned to give God the best, the first, the most, when I learned to give God my first fruits, that's when I felt the, the overflow. That's when I felt like, man, God, you're blessing me beyond my dreams because I've realized something. That God is way better at multiplying because only God can multiply than I can of making things last. I think, I think that's what we do, try to do sometimes, right? Hey, let's just make it last. Let's just make it last. And let's just hold on for ourselves. I know we got a little bit, but I bet you I can make it last. But what if instead of just trying to make things last, what, what if you just gave it to God? And he's the one who can actually make things last. And not only that, but multiply. See, when you put God first, you will never come in last. And that's the thing about faith is that it's supposed to be a sacrifice. Faith is supposed to cost you something. You might have a question tonight. You might be saying, you know, CJ, why should I give God faith? Why should I trust in Jesus? Why should I lean on him? Because let me tell you something, that's the least that we could do. That is the very least amount that we could give back because God has done so much for us. See, Jesus was the first, what it says, of many brethren. And he was the perfect sacrifice. And when God sent his only son to die for us, to take away our sins, something that we could never accomplish on our own, the least we could do is respond with faith. The least we could do is say, Father, I trust in you. I believe that you can provide. I believe that you can protect. I believe that if I follow you, even in the tough times, not the, just the good, that you will take care of me. So why faith? Why trust in God? Because even when things are tough, God is still good. Even when things are rough, God is still good. So why should we respond in faith? Because he's been so good to us. He's blessed us so many times. We've been so many times we can look back at our lives and said, I should have, I should have, I should not even be here right now. I, should, I might be in jail right now. I might not even be alive right now. I might not even be here. But because of God's goodness, he has led me to this place. And because of that, I have to respond by faith. And that's when faith gets fun. When you get in a perspective and a mindset of saying, God, I have to respond by faith. I have to. Because what you've done for me, who you are to me, if I really, if you really understand those things, what he's done and who he is, you know you have to respond by faith. You know you have to. Because that's the only way you're going to be able to receive everything that he has for us. We stand with me tonight, church, and Alicia, I'm closing. After all these things happen to the widow... Even in following scripture, we didn't even get time to get to it. But in the following scripture, her son who was saved um, by Elijah actually dies. And he, she looks to Elijah and says, what, what, you, you saved him just for him to die. And then, and then Elijah prays over him. God heals him. And so after all these things happen, after her getting through the famine, all these things, in verse 24, this is what the widow had to say 
to Elijah. Then the woman told Elijah in verse 24, Now I know for sure that you are a man of God and that the Lord truly speaks through you. This woman from Zerophath, she found her faith in the middle of a famine. Her faith grew in the middle of the toughest times of her life. Her faith didn't dwindle. Her faith didn't get to the lowest of her life. No, her faith grew. She found it in the most difficult times of her life. It says in Scripture, we're called to go from strength to strength and glory to glory. Does that mean life is perfect? No. But it means in times of struggle, strength is available. What that means from going strength to strength is that even when I'm weak, he is strong. When that means going from glory to glory, even when things don't look bright, even when things don't look right, he is still available because by faith, he can provide for us. See, even when things get uncomfortable, peace is still available. I love the way James 1.3 says it. And this is our closing scripture. It says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Has a chance to grow. The opportunity to arise. See, when the tough times come, don't look it, at it as a time of despair. Look at it as a time of an opportunity. A chance to grow. An opportunity for faith to arise. A chance to say, you know what, God, I'm going to grow in this moment. I'm going to grow in this season. And our closing thought for tonight is that seasons of drought are not meant to deplete your faith, but develop your faith. When the times of drought come, when the famine comes, don't think that God is sitting that to take away your faith. Don't think that God is sitting that to destroy your identity. Know that during those times is the chance and the opportunity for your faith to arise. Like James 1.3, for your faith to grow, for your chance to develop, and what else I want us to do, I want us to sing a song tonight that makes our faith arise on the inside. I want us to sing a song tonight that makes our hands be lifted in the air and to know that I don't know how 2020 is going. I don't know why things are happening. I don't know why I find myself in a famine. But now's not the time to press pause on my faith. Now I'm going to press into my faith. Now I'm going to rely even more on you, Jesus. Now I'm going to seek after your faith even more. I'm going to dig deeper into your soul. I'm going to dig deeper into your spirit. I'm not going to be responding, God, out of fear, God. But I'm going to respond by faith. And I'm going to know even in the struggle, you are strong. Even in the chaos, you bring calm. Even in the time of the pandemic, you bring peace. So let's see tonight. And let's let faith arise. Come on, church family, let's see. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.